Well, good morning, and uh, as Dale's already said, it's starting to feel a little bit like the Christmas season out there, isn't it? And so uh, we're certainly beginning it in here. Let me start today, go right to the Word of God, and I want to read from the beginning of the Christmas story as told by Matthew chapter 1, and I'll begin in verse 18. Listen, these are words that I know are familiar to you, words that I believe are precious to you. Chapter 1, verse 18 says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Those are incredible words, aren't they? Incredible words, awesome words, fantastic words. I mean, think about what we just heard, that she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit, saved from our sins. God with us. An angel appeared. Hey, just the name Jesus. Man, these are big words. They're they're life-changing words. They're history-changing words. I'm not sure we always hear them that way anymore. We believe that about them, but we don't always hear them that way because they've become so familiar to us. But make no mistake, these are words that change lives. And no doubt they're the words you expect to hear preached on this morning, aren't they? You come in here in December, you expect to hear Emmanuel and conceived by the Holy Spirit, but those aren't the words I'm talking about today. Now, I'm taking words from the Christmas story, but but I guess I think that way, or I, I kind of start this way, because the words that kind of captured me for today are kind of bland, In light of some of these other words and phrases and ideas in the Christmas story. It's not as big as an angel appearing or or God with us. No, it's just some very simple words. But I think words that could be life-changing for you and for me. There are words spoken about the person of Joseph when it says there that he, Matthew chapter 1 verse 24, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. I am going to uh, suggest today that Joseph is the quiet hero in the Christmas story. Now, according to Webster's Dictionary, not the Hebrew, not the Greek, no something right here that we get and understand. Webster's Dictionary defines a hero this way. This is a person of exceptional quality, who wins admiration for people for an exceptional deed, particularly one of courage. Now, this is, this is modern day. This is what you and I would work with as a definition of hero. I kind of wonder if it's modern enough. 
I don't know, it's, think about this. It, it seems to me that when we hear the word hero, when, when the word hero is being put onto somebody in the news or in some story going on in culture, it seems like it's more of a deed of courage and we don't hear so much about the quality of the person. It's not really about their character. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm not saying that whoever we're hearing about or whoever's in the news is not a person of character, that they're not a person of quality. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's never really the focus anymore, is it? It's just that deed, that act of courage that they did in a moment. And I point that out for this reason, because with Joseph, you get the whole hero package, with Joseph, you get the entire hero definition. This is a person of great character, a person of great quality, and we're going to see in him a deed of great courage. You know, we, we don't hear a lot about Joseph. We don't see a lot about Joseph. Again, that's why I refer to him as the quiet character, but boy, is he there. And what we see, what we hear is so profound. You know, it's kind of, it's easy to understand how he gets lost in the story, right? I mean, as Matthew, as Luke introduced to us, uh, Joseph, he's being introduced in the, in, the, in the midst of miracles and angels and, and God with us. I, yeah, he's going to get lost in that, isn't he? he? He's not like any of those other things. So it's almost like he's not there. But again, so very much there. Now, what do we know? What do we know about Joseph? Well, we know he's engaged to Mary, right? I mean, that's how he, he's introduced. He's engaged to Mary. Engagement then is a lot like now. Obviously, that's when he says, will you? And she says, yes, I will. And they become engaged. Now, the engagement, and you might have picked it up there in some of the language of the story, is a little more binding in that culture than ours. That, that's not to suggest it's not significant or binding today. Uh, but then when you said, will you? And she said, yes, at that moment, you didn't begin to live together. You didn't begin to sleep together. But at that moment, you began to look at each other as husband and wife. The society looked at you as husband and wife. And if for some reason... On the rare occasion that, that that engagement did not produce a wedding day. You know, you think about that. If that happens in our culture, we just, you know, each run off crying and it's over, right? But in, in this culture, if it does not produce a wedding day, you actually went through a similar legal proceeding as a divorce. It, it, I mean, it was that kind of binding to be engaged. And I say that to understand that as this story is unfolding and, and these things are happening, they're not looking at each other as boyfriend and girlfriend, not even fiancé. They're looking at each other as husband and wife. Now, we also know Joseph is a carpenter, right? We know Jesus is the son of a carpenter. When we hear carpenter, we think of somebody building a house. Uh, he would not have been building a house. Houses were made of, of mud and stone back then. No, he would have been building furniture, more than likely is what he was building as a carpenter. Furniture, some would do or, or add to their business, maybe some agricultural tools that, that were also built by wood. So that's what he would have been building. And if you think about this, and I, I've been reading the Christmas story for a lot of years, and this is the first time I noticed this. Do you realize how many times when we look at Joseph, he's traveling somewhere? And usually because somebody made him, <laughs> you know, what, 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 that he said, hey, let's go on a trip. No, no, some, something, someone was making him. We're introduced to Joseph and he is putting uh, Mary onto a donkey and they are heading from Nazareth to 
to Bethlehem. Why? Because Caesar Augustus made them. There was a, a census, so they had to return to that hometown. Nazareth is a, about a three-hour car ride. No, I'm not suggesting they were taking a car. I'm just saying today. About a three-hour car ride north of Jerusalem. And Bethlehem's about an hour car ride south of Jerusalem. So about four hours by car, a whole lot longer walking next to a donkey. Is he traveling there? And then, of course, after Jesus is born, he, he takes Mary and Joseph and they go back to Jerusalem. Now, an hour by a car, a lot longer by a donkey. We're talking 30, 45 miles here. He, he's walking next to a donkey back to Jerusalem so Jesus can be dedicated and, and, and circumcised. And then an angel comes and says, hey, man, you got to get out of town. This Herod dude is crazy. And he's going to try to kill y'all. And so now he's picking up his family and they're going to Egypt. Another nation where they're going to live for, for several years. And then he comes back. And, and then the next, the last part of the story that we see him, Jesus is, is 12 years old and they have gone from Nazareth down to Jerusalem for the, the Passover. And it, there's a word in there that implies that they did this yearly, annually, they, they did this. So it just seems like every time we see Joseph, a lot of travel going on. For a guy from a small town that has a local business, uh, he, he's running around a lot. He's getting around. I think when you look at Joseph, it's pretty clear this is a guy that, that provides for and protects his family physically. He, he does what's necessary in the physical realm to take care of them. But he also does that spiritually. Protects them spiritually. Leads them spiritually. He seems to be a man as a husband, as a father. To know what is needed or to take instruction from what is needed. Whether it be physically or spiritually. And make sure that happens for his home. Now, something we don't know about, about Joseph, we assume, is when he died or, or, or how he died. You know, we have Joseph there in the Christmas story, and then the last place we see him is in Luke. He's, he's there at the temple with Jesus and Mary and the Passover. Jesus is 12 years old. And then the next place the story of the gospel goes, in, in all four of the gospels, the next place we go, Jesus is 30 and he's entering his public ministry. And as we go into that portion of the story, you see Mary, you see her a lot. You, you see these brothers and sisters. Mary and Joseph had children, had several, it sounds like, brothers and sisters of Jesus. And they're mentioned in the Gospels. But you never hear of Joseph again. I mean, it, there's just this glaring absence. Where, where's Joseph? What happened to Joseph? And so it's uh, kind of an assumption that somewhere between Jesus being 12 and 30... Joseph has died. And, and so that's this, that's this person that we have before us. Now, if we look closely at the text, we see some clues as to the quality of this person, to the, to the, the character of Joseph. You know, he is, uh, again, engaged to Mary. They're in their culture considered husband and wife, not sleeping together, but husband and wife. And she ends up pregnant and so it points out in the text twice. As a matter of fact, it was a short passage. It's a, a short piece of the story that I read. And yet two times it points out that he is sexually pure. Now this is also being referred to of Mary, but, but of Joseph, that he is sexually pure. You know, I thought of that right there. Do, do we really consider sexual purity a part of character anymore? Re remember in our culture when purity was a, a considered, didn't we call it a virtue? This is, this is a virtue. This is something good in a person's character. And by the way, a little reminder. Purity is not just something for teenagers. 
Purity is not something you, you, are, you concern yourself with before marriage. It's before marriage, during marriage, it's after marriage. Purity is a part of a person's character. And, and, and whether our society acknowledges that anymore or not, pushes that or not anymore, you know who does? God. As God parades Joseph in front of us twice, twice he refers to. It's like he wants us to get this. This, this person is sexually pure. You know, something else I see about the quality of Joseph is, is how he handles Mary, how he deals with this situation. Now, from our culture, we might not get all that is going on here. We might even read it and think, you know, he's going to put her away quietly. It almost sounds like he's doing kind of the under-the-table thing, doesn't it? Like, what, what's going on here? Well, of course he's not going to shame her. Of course he's... But stop and think about that. First of all, he comes up in a culture where, where Mary could have been stoned, killed for the condition that she's in right now. At, at the very minimum, he lets everybody know what's going on, what's happening. Hey, this isn't me. This isn't my doing. And, and he lets that rest fully on her. And she's scorned for the rest of her life. You know, she's going to be looked down on literally forever for the, for the rest of her time on this earth. And yet he doesn't do that. And, and, and you think, well, you know, well, yeah, why should he do anything different? But folks, think about if you were that person. Think about if this is you. Don't, don't just, you know, we read stuff on the Bible and sometimes it's like it's just very clean and nobody really feels anything or experiences anything. I would imagine more than one person in here has had the experience of being cheated on. Is that, that's what we're talking about, right? I mean, with the information Joseph is working with before the angel. Okay, his, his wife has shown up pregnant and that didn't happen at the water fountain, right? I mean, y'all can do the math here. Okay, what is the normal emotion when somebody you love, somebody that's dedicated to be your mate is now pregnant by somebody else? Anger, right? You're, you're angry. Those are emotions of anger. They're emotions of revenge. And yet we don't see any of that in Joseph. As a matter of fact, what we immediately see is he seems to be concerned about her well-being. He, he seems to be concerned about, hey, this isn't a safe society for a woman. This is not a, really not a safe society for a woman that's now in, in her condition. And he seems to be concerned about that. So, you know, one simple thing I see about Joseph here, he's got the character quality of self-control. He is controlling what would be very natural emotions for every person in this room. I'm, I'm not sure a whole lot of us in here would respond like Joseph did. We would let those emotions of anger, those emotions of revenge, we'd let them flow. And, we, and we'd let them do what they're going to do. But he's self-controlled. He, and he's got to be kind, right? I mean, to even start to process this and handle it in the way... You, can't, you wouldn't get there if you were kind of mean to begin with. If you were kind of neutral to begin with. No, you've got to be a kind person, a compassionate, compassion, thinking about how somebody else is feeling, what they're going through, what they're experiencing. Clearly, he's a person of compassion. The scripture tells us he's just, just. You know what justice is? Justice does what is right, even when punishment's involved. Well, that's another thing our culture has just, it, it, it's removed from the idea of love and forgiveness, any concept of, of consequences, you know, if you love somebody, you just don't care about anything anymore, right? I mean, everything goes, every, everything is right. No, no, folks, love absolutely cares about what is right and what is wrong. 
Love cares, forgiveness cares about where and how consequences are appropriately applied. And, and so while he cares for her, loves her, forgives her, he is going to move forward in a divorce. Hey, there's a wrong here. This is not right. It, we're not going to reward this. We're not going to pretend like it, it's okay. So I can take everything we've kind of learned about, about Joseph, it, it clues to his character, his job. And, and man, I look at Joseph, he's, he's hardworking. He knows how to care for a home physically and spiritually. He's self-controlled. He's nice. He's just. He's sexually pure. This is a person of noble character. You know, I kind of asked the same question again I, I did about sexual purity. Is do, do we promote noble character anymore? Do we even think about it? I'm not saying we're against it, that we're trying to keep it. I just Is it even on the radar anymore that we think about the, the character and how to build character? And it's getting harder today. I think in our culture, it's difficult to build character because in our culture, it's, it's, not, it's not okay to say, hey, there's some things that are right and there's some things that are wrong. Hey, there are some better ways. There are some better qualities. It's hard to say that in our culture, which makes it hard to promote character. And, and, and folks, if we can't teach it, if we can't promote it, we got a problem. Because good character doesn't just happen. You, you don't wind up one day a person of good character. It's not an accident. You, you work at it. You've chosen to not be a part of some conversations. You've chosen to not be a part of some activities. You've chosen to be a part of some things. Hey, listen, good character isn't just that you don't lie, steal, or cheat. I don't lie, steal, and cheat most of the time. You know, so I'm a good character. No, it's, it's not just the absence of doing bad things. Good character is purposely building character qualities in our lives. And boy, Joseph shows us that. Whether, whether culture is promoting that or not, folks, when God parades Joseph in front of us, you know what God's saying? Quality counts. Character counts. It, it means something to me. And so we see in Joseph a person of great character, of noble character. And of course, we see in him a courageous deed. What is that courageous deed? He takes Mary as his wife. Now, as the story unfolds, we might say, well, yeah, the reason he does that is because an angel shows up. I mean, hey, don't you read this and think, boy, I tell you what, I think a lot of things would be easier if an angel would tell me what to do. Hey, I, hey, I could have faith. You think it would be easier to have faith if an angel would show up? I just think that'd be kind of a cool moment. And I would imagine coming out of that, I'd be very bold, very filled with faith, very courageous, ready to do what, whatever God said. But you know what, folks? I'm going to suggest it's still a step of faith to take a wife who's pregnant by somebody else because it's a virgin birth. Now, you know, there's an element there in which Joseph isn't believing anything different from a lot of us in here believe. As a matter of fact, I, I pray, I hope, a lot of us believe in the virgin birth. As a matter of fact, I, I would do well if actually maybe I spent a whole sermon on that. You understand, the virgin birth is not just a cool trick God did. This is not window dressing to say, here's the one. You know, that's not what he's doing there, folks. The, the virgin birth is absolutely, profoundly critical to who and what the person of Jesus is. The virgin birth is critical to who is hanging on the cross for you and what he's accomplishing on that cross for you. 
The cross is not the same without the virgin birth. So, so this is something that is important to all of us. It's something that we believe and, and Joseph believes it. But, but here's where I'm just suggesting, I don't know. I think it's a different step for all of us to believe that there's a virgin birth than it is for the fiancé to believe it was a virgin birth, right? It's just a little bit different step, but he does it. You, you don't see him waffling. You don't see him wavering. You don't see him thinking, oh, I'm going to have to pray about this. Isn't it interesting that we, God tells us something and we say, oh, I'm going to have to pray about this. <laughs> no, he just he steps forward and does it. And again, we might think, well, you know, if I had a supernatural event, if I could have an angel tell me. Folks, I want you to understand something. Joseph's steps of faith are not based on an angel. Joseph's faith is rooted in the word of God. Okay, as the, as the angel reveals what is going on, clears up that Mary is in fact not immoral, not impure, not disloyal. As the angel explains all that, and, and as Matthew then brings in this passage, this prophecy from Isaiah, do you, do you realize what's unfolding there? It, it, it's like the angel is saying, hey listen, I'm not really announcing or telling you anything, I'm just reminding you of what you already know. God's word, not an angel, God's word told you there was going to be a virgin birth. God's word told you there was going to be this child that is a whole lot more than a child. Actually, God with us. See, the angel takes Joseph to the word of God that he already knew. Folks, let me tell you something. The scripture shows us literally millions of people who see miracles and supernatural events and then move on to disobedience and move on to a lack of faith. Folks, Joseph is moving forward with nothing more than what you and I have, a faith in God's Word. God's Word is where faith is born. God's Word is where faith is strengthened and built. God's Word is how we step out. Not, not, on, not on the evidence of a supernatural event. They say, okay, now what's the act of courage? What is on God's Word He's stepping out and doing? He's taking Mary as His wife. There's a reason that, and I kind of appreciated, Webster took me there. I didn't plan on this. I just went to look up the Word and I saw that noble character, courageous deed. And then I realized, hey, you know what? You know what his courage is here? He has noble character. And when he moves forward with Mary, he loses that, doesn't he? He potentially loses that character. Now, he, he's, his character hasn't changed. But as he walks around town, as he goes shopping at the mall for Christmas, well, I guess he, yeah, they wouldn't have gone shopping at the mall for Christmas because it wasn't happening yet, right? But as he's walking around town with Mary, pretty soon what happens? Baby bump. Everybody can do the math, can't they? We can all count to nine. And pretty soon it's gonna, people are going to put two and two together and they're going to figure, hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. And they realize Joseph did this to her. Now, he can explain. Oh, no, I, I didn't do that. No, 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 an angel came and explained to me this is a virgin birth. Oh, that's going to clear everything up, isn't it? Yeah, everybody's buying that one. You see, folks, when he starts to try to, and I'm, I assume he did, when he starts to try to explain what is going on to family, to friends, to the community, you know, there's going to be some jokes, isn't there? 
And that's the best case scenario. There's going to be some jokes. The reality and the more the worst case scenario is there's going to be gossip. And there's going to be scorn. And this man who clearly has sought to build a life of character sacrifices that. He's now going to be looked at somebody who was, as somebody who wasn't pure, as somebody who didn't care, as somebody who wasn't self-controlled, as somebody who might have been, hey, what's, this, what's in this for me? This is what I want right here, right now. And all of a sudden, every, everything about him kind of changes. But he steps out on God's word. Let me ask you a question. What, what, where's God speaking to you today? What's God calling you to be? What's God calling you to do? You know, you know my guess is what, what happens when I ask that question throughout the room is, is right away for most of us, our immediate response is, well, I, I, don't, I don't know that God's saying anything to me right now anyway. I, 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 don't, I don't know that God's talking to me or saying and directing and doing any of that. Yes, He is. If... And I don't assume everybody is. But if you are a child of God, if you've been born again, if you're a follower of Christ, then God's speaking to you. I know He's speaking to you because number one, He loves you. And you talk to people you love. And number two, I know from Psalm 138 verse 8 that God has a plan, a purpose for your life that He promised to fulfill. There is a story that God is writing in your life. And in the story, the page has to keep turning, right? The page has to keep written and God promises each page is going to get written. Each page is going to turn. Your story is going to be accomplished. And folks, the only way that you and I continue moving rightly in that story is if we're taking direction from the Lord. He's speaking to you, I promise. And, and you know what? If you'll stop and think about it, after it's kind of the initial response, if you'll stop and think about it, we know it. We know God's speaking to us. I, you know what, there was that, 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 that sermon, it was like three months ago, and man, I haven't been able to get that, that thought, that idea out of my mind. I know God was just, I know He was impressing that on my heart. Maybe He was in a Bible study last month, and you were sitting in there, and y'all were discussing, and, and everybody was discussing, it was like God was talking right to you. Maybe you're just sitting in your home by yourself this week, and you were reading in God's Word, and boy, it just, hey, that's me. Man, God's talking to me right here. Folks, the question's not God's voice. The question's not God speaking. The question is my ears and my heart. And sadly, I know what I do sometimes, and I'm guessing y'all are with me. I might know God has spoken, but I'll just kind of wait till that goes away. I'll just kind of wait until I don't really hear anymore, and then, then I haven't disobeyed anything. God's speaking. And maybe the very most profound thing that could happen in your life this holiday season. The most profound thing that could happen as you wrap up 2015. Is that you take the lead from a hero. And just do as the Lord commanded. You know, for some of us, I would imagine maybe in that, that way God is speaking, that way that Jesus is directing in your life, probably just like for Joseph, if you do that, there's going to be some people who don't understand. They're not going to get it. 
They may even laugh about that a little bit, make some jokes about you. Maybe even if you step out and do what you know God's calling you to do, you may lose some friends from that. They don't, I don't want to be a part of that. Might be hard to explain to some. Yeah, heroes rise above what's just good for me and what I feel. Where's God speaking to you? You know, folks, I think maybe when we consider what's needed in our, in our homes, in our communities, we need heroes. And just like you, I'm so, so appreciative of a hero that will step in the line of fire so that I don't have to. That, that will run into a burning building so that I don't have to. I don't, I don't want to take anything away from those heroes. But would you agree with me that maybe the kind of heroes that our nation needs the very most are the ones that heaven calls heroes? The heroes of heaven, a Mary, a Joseph, pretty simple definition to what makes up a hero there. They believe and they obey. God has spoken. Are you believing? Are you obeying? Let's pray. Father, I, I know that you've spoken to every person in this room. There's, there's a place where to trust. There's a, a place where to stop. A place where to start. Maybe it's something to go to. Maybe it's something to tell. Maybe it's to give. Maybe it's to forgive. You've spoken to every person in this room. Lord, I, I would imagine for some of us, we need to tell you that we're sorry that we kind of waited till that went away and maybe we've even kind of forgotten. And God, we just kind of fall on our knees at your grace and at your mercy right now. And we kind of say, uh, hey, Dad, would you, would you say that again? I know there was something you were telling me. I know there was something you were talking about. Would, would you tell me again? Lord, refresh in each of our hearts this moment, this day. What's the next step in our story? What's the next step? What's on the next page for what you have in each of our lives? And God, would you give us the courage of a Joseph to believe it? To step out in faith and obey it. God, would you raise up in here an army of people who want to be heroes before you and before heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.